Neil Brennan here. As as usual, this episode of The Champs is brought to you by Audible. Uh, go to audiblepodcast.com slash the champs to uh, get a free audio download when you sign up. Free shit. Uh, books on tape is what you're going to get. You're going to get a free book on tape. Exciting. I got uh, some suggestions. Well, let's go off motion before we. What do you think? That's not something you didn't write. <laughs> oh no, I got nothing. No, I have written. I have been reading some cool books lately. I, I recently read World War Z, a very popular book written uh, but, by Max Brooks. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yes, but I, I found it really intriguing, really fun. And then I'm reading Stephen King's Under the Dome, which is being made into a CBS show. This I'm assuming year. these are all on tape. They, I, they could I mean, not well, they be. They'd be fools. For goodness sakes, yeah. So those are two great books, fun books. If you want, you know, and AudiblePodcast.com forward slash the champs. You get to listen to it, so you don't have to waste your time reading. You can draw. Yo, you got shit to do. Straight up. You don't. First of all, you can't read. No, so we know you ignorant. We all. But you act that. like, oh, I'm so busy. Meanwhile, you have a secret, hey, and you, that secret is illiteracy. Yeah. Do you listen to? Do you listen to incredible content on audio format? Yes, you do. You fuck with the champs. Like, you know how many people would listen to this if it was written? No, nobody. None. Nobody None. would read as a, a as an article. Yeah, nobody's reading a transcript of the champs. Yuck. Um. So, uh, and the Moshe, do you have any other ideas for books? Well, they could always get my book, Casher in the Rye, a wonderful book. Uh, it's, it's a give fun them, one. Give, give them a little taste. Oh, you want uh, me to do? Yeah, like, a little bit of the audio book for Casher in the Rye. This is the audio book experience of Casher in the Rye. Sure, why not? Let me just start. Chapter one. Perfect. That's enough. Don't give them any more. Yeah, guys, that's just a little bit of uh of what you can get. At audiblepodcast.com slash the champs. Uh, go. It's good for us. It's good for you. Get uh, your shit. Do your shit. Audiblepodcast forward slash the champs. God bless. Here's a new episode with a surprise yeah. absence. Now you're fucking with the champs. It's the champs. It's the champs. It's the champs. It's the champs. We've been gone. We are back. Yeah, Neil and I had a big fight, but you don't need to hear about it. Oh, listen, champs, you're fucking with us. We're back. Neil was on the road. I was on the road. I, I did some dirty shit where I didn't tell people how long I was going to be gone because I, I keep my shit shady like that. I don't need motherfuckers to know where I'm at, you know. But we're back. So we got all your tweets. We get all your tweets. We appreciate it. We appreciate the champs. Um, and but we, actually, we left you with a hot one. Rock was definitely a hot one. Right. We figured we'd let that marinate for no, a few No, that weeks. was our plan. Yeah, the whole time that was our plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been out on the road, and I've had a lot of people come up to me in random places saying that they're big fans of the champs. I was at a men's clothier in Soho. A fellow came right. up to me, and he was like, oh, I love the champs. And all I wanted him to say was, I'll give you a discount on some clothes. He did not say did that. Did not happen. Uh, I also did a gig in Tallahassee, Florida. Where a artist came up to me and showed, and he had printed out this awesome poster of all of us in a boxing ring. I mean, it was amazing. I told you about it. I lost it. So if you're listening, and <laughs> you I did really lose I it. lost it with his contact information. So if you're listening, I'm an asshole. But get in touch. Email thechamps at gmail dot com. Um, and also get yourself a T-shirt. That's important. That's important stuff. Get get your T-shirt. Uh, you go to bluecollardistro.com forward slash the champs. Oh, we got to do dates too. A t shirt. That's that's Shit. the way. We got to do dates. Fuck. I, I got some coming up. You got some? Yeah, we're we're co co dating. We dating the same hoe. 
Okay. Okay. We're both dating. Oh, that's uh, right. Going about to, to be uh, Eskimo brothers, but not with a woman. We're going to. We're going to be in. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to be in Houston uh, uh, Tuesday, the 23rd, at a place called Fitzgerald's, which is a rock club. Uh, that's that's like basically in a week. Next week, Tuesday, April. I'm sorry, April 23rd, and then 24, 25, 26, 27 of April. Me and Moshe will both be in Austin, Austin Texas. Texas. Fucking with the moon tower. Champ tower. You know what I mean? Yeah, what I mean? Uh, and then uh, May 2nd through 5th, I'm going to be in Miami at the Improv. So come fuck with me there. Okay, so... I got what? some dates too, motherfucker. Okay, go, You're not the only go. working stand-up here. Go. Neil, Neil just recorded an hour special for Comedy Central. Guys, it's all about this hour And his head now. is a little bit bigger than Guys, it was. this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, he came in here with a big swagger. I, 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 I complimented on him on his hair. He said, yes, my hair looked very good on the special. I so, opened with it and yeah. closed with it. Uh, I got some dates, too. Go. Uh, I am going to be a, at the Portland, the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, and then the weekend after that, of course, with Neil, the great Neil Brennan, over at Moon Tower in Austin. And then I will be in May 2nd through the 5th, I will be in Washington, D.C. at the D.C. Improv. Uh, so fuck with me there. And then I'll be back on the road with Aziz uh, just after that. I'll be all over the country. But, you know... Go, go to Aziz's website for that shit. All right. Now, you may be noticing something about this episode of the podcast so far. An absent voice. That voice, would, that absence would be Doug. Doug Pound. DJ D- Doug Pound. DJ Doug Pound has passed away. He's died. He did not die. He didn't die. Uh, but he is dead to us. No. <laughs> no, he's not dead to us. No. Basically, he quit. He quit so the podcast. So we thought uh, we didn't He is really no longer fucking with the champs. Fully know how to explain it, so he, he made a recording. Hi, champs. This is DJ Doug Maybe you're wondering why you are fired. No, I'm not fired. You're probably wondering why did I quit the champs. Did you really? Well, I figure I should make a little recording to explain why. Basically, well, we're waiting. I just got burnt out. It's a lot of work. Year and a half. Over 800 drops accumulated. I don't know how many podcasts did we do? 50? How much did I, how much money did I make? Nothing. A lot of work. <laughs> Zero money. Year and a half. Oh, that's going to give me some hate mail. Am I wrong? I got a busy life. All right. I'm trying to make videos. I'm trying to make music. <sighs> all right, you bitch. I'm trying to do a lot of stuff. You make a good point. Thank you. Doing a podcast was down on the list of things to do. It's just that simple. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate to quit. What were you saying? Moshe and Neil, they're great guys. Any questions? Did I have creative differences with those guys? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's what made the podcast good. Talking about Chappelle. I think it's a great podcast, but... I think we can just move on. Just got burnt out on it. Say what? Too much driving. What turns you off? Too much driving. I just, uh, I just can't do it all. I'm too busy. I got too many things to do. Go on. Too much driving. If you're waiting for a hug, you might want to pack a lunch. I think the champs should still continue on without me. I think Moshe and Neil yes. should keep doing their compelling interviews with fascinating guests. You are wicked! And I will 
Get her down. Sorry, guys. That's okay. It's not the end of the world. I blew it. I like your mouth as much as I like your fingers. No. We're not kidding, Neil. This is real. Okay, bye. What? What the fuck? What, what are, are you doing? doing? That's what whole zoo. Send me a little tweet. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit up off Twitter. And just like that, just like that, he Doug was, was gone. gone. We found that recording on our doorstep. That's right. We haven't heard from Doug since. But you know what? Who knows? Maybe Doug will show up at some point in this podcast future. But for now, Doug has retired. Uh, the champs are still fucking with you. We hope you're still fucking with us. It's now me and Neil. Yeah, hope, hopefully that's enough. Yeah, no more drops. Some of you, the drops were controversial. So if you people had, hated the drops, if you some had, people hated the drops. If you had I friends that quit, we the personally podcast. thought the, the drops were hilarious. We love the drops, and we do feel sad that part of the character of this podcast is, is changing. And so with that, um, you know what will probably fill it up though, our fucking incessant yammering. That is for sure. There's no question about that. So if you had some friends that quit the podcast because there were too many drops, you know, give them a call. <laughs> Tell them to come back. Uh, the drops are gone, but Doug is hey, still... Hey, no, no hard feelings, bro. We yeah. get it. Yeah, well, come on back. And, you know, uh, look, we love Doug. We'll miss yeah, him Yeah, Doug's hilarious. Much. And, and we, even that thing was that he just gave us was hilarious. Yeah, man. He's a talented guy, but he just got, he just got burnt And up. he's going to be making videos, I think, for Jash. Yeah, he's doing the video series on Jash. Which, uh, which dovetails nicely into our episode. One of the founders of Jash... Uh, the one and only the, the only black founder the only black founder uh the co-creator of jazz so <laughs> neil's gonna really get along with him ladies and gentlemen today's guest um well you know him your, from all over the place your, what are your hot credits I, you've seen him everywhere comedy central comedy bang bang uh, i think i think probably the most visible are the contemporary performance spaces definitely the contemporary <laughs> he's a ted talker oh yeah that is a uh, ted talk yeah Let's, That's pretty great. Ladies Our and first gentlemen, TED talker. It's Reggie Watts. Yes. Yes. Thank you. One hand. Thank you. Yes. Uh, now, Reggie, I know. Uh, I've seen you a lot, but I know close to nothing about you. And I've seen you almost never, but I know everything there is to know about you. Uh, and together, we're the champs. Neil Hi, and Moshe. Everybody. Hey. <laughs> Uh, no. So, what do you? What do you? How did you get? I don't know fucking shit about where. I don't even know where you're from. I'm from Montana. Montana. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when did you move to New York, or when did you start doing stand-up? It was basically, uh, it was Montana, 4 to 18. 18 to 32 was Seattle, Washington. Oh, really? Okay. And then 32 to 41, uh, New York. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Reggie. For those of the listeners that aren't familiar, which probably you already are, but you're you're performance lies in in a kind of like gray zone and and i sort of feel like you you sort of oozed into comedy and like because it was like the right the best fit out there but what you do is sort of indefinable kind of a thing and like before comedy you were doing music festivals and things like that yeah i was i was strictly i mean not strictly but mostly in bands yeah so doing music Recording music, performing. Like in bands doing sort of vocal performance the way you do, or in bands playing instruments? Um, in bands playing instruments and vocalizing. I got started it. out as mostly an instrumental guy. Like I was a keyboard guy, and I liked singing, but I just got chosen to be a keyboard cat. And then, um, and then over time, oh, you was, I was a, you was a keyboard cat? Oh, you was, you was, I was, the keyboard I was a keyboard cat? Oh, you was a I keyboard was cat? I was the original keyboard cat. <laughs> Dude, I told you we were having a keyboard cat on the night. <laughs> when I was working on I Spy, I remember... <laughs> 
Bill Cosby. <laughs> we we shot it in Shanghai, and it was a different time. That actually <laughs> sounded. I thought you were doing Quincy Jones. That was at first. It. Hey everybody, I'm Quincy Jones. Um, uh, all right, and then what? Did, so you were doing? Because I don't. I find you're more. Fuck. I don't even consider it comedy. I just consider it mind blowing. Does that but make it, sense? But it is funny. It's fun. It's so mind blowing that you laugh. <laughs> it's so awesome that you laugh. Um, I'll clean that up. I promise. Sorry, Natasha. Um, well, here's the deal. I don't know. I mean, it's a weird thing because I've always loved absurdity as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Anything super stupid, dumb, absurd, whether it was with sounds or with physical acting or just um, give wor- Give me an example. Play. Like, there's always this, uh, like the, the opening sequence to Monty Python, The Holy Grail. When you hear a horse galloping and you see a hill, I knew nothing about it at the time. I was like a little kid sitting on my mom's bed watching TV, and then suddenly this guy with a gigantic backpack appears rubbing coconuts together with a guy trotting next to him, right. you know, acting like he's on a horse. And I just lost I just lost it from that time. The, the time I saw that to the end of the movie, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. I was, my mind was like... It's like LSD for me. Right. Yeah. With seeing absurdity. Yeah. And do you feel But like that's right. Like, that's what it's like when you're a kid. It's like, wait, what? It's like, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. Like, exactly. how at all. You, people are doing this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like the fact that you grew, grew up black in Montana? I'm assuming mm-hmm. that there weren't a lot of other black people around. Is that true? <laughs> not, a lot, not a lot of black people. And no. you have, and you have, how, a, many, how about black bears? <laughs> a lot of black bears. A lot of black bears. <laughs> You know, How about black gold? Was there black gold underneath <laughs> the as, ground? Not as much as you'd think. <laughs> no, not as much. Not. Not, 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 not any. Uh, but do you feel like, and, and you also have, a, you, you, for those of you that don't know, I mean, Reggie looks like, he's a very, you're a very striking and severe looking person. You know, you look, <laughs> look sort of wizard-like, I would say, sort of wizard-like. Wizard, wizard, wizardly. Kind of wizard yeah. And I mean, do you feel like growing up uh, in Montana affected your sort of penchant for the uh, sort of outside the, the bounds of, of Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, I, I attribute it to a few factors. One, it's being biracial, so right. having a white mom with red hair and a black dad. Including. You are a second champ whose mom has white hair and red hair and dad is black, Blake Griffin being the other one. That's oh, really? Right. Yes. Oh, it's, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good combo. It is know? a good combo. It worked it's, out well, well for you. Well, any it's mixed good. race, you're going to come out all right. You're going to come out better looking. You're actually that. on the low end of how good looking you could have been. I know. No, believe me. I know. I used to I used to check the genetic projections all the time. I was like, I, was like, I don't know, Doc. It's a, he was a little optimistic. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. They, yeah. Oh, they had a eugenics chart of how yeah, hot you'd be? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Here's a biracial hotness yeah. chart. Now, you're an eight-year-old boy, At and worst. you are fuckable. I will say that. <laughs> No, I mean uh, that was kind of th- that was it. There was that, and then there was language. My mother was French, uh-huh. so biracial, bilingual. Um, you know, out in the middle of Montana. How so, did you Oh, I was going to say you were speaking French to, on the phone when you walked in, and your it was very good pronunciation. <laughs> and I was like, he must. I didn't know if you knew like one word, right, right. But it turns out you know it's the like, whole thing. It's like well, it's the like whole I really word. wanted to say penchance. Uh, as much as well as possible, but that's my only French word that I know. What is that? Oh, we're hearing backlash. Oh, that's your effects processor. Oh, is this backlash? Yeah. Oh, it's backlash. That's you. We're backlash. <laughs> Sorry, gonna, guys. We're going to get into that's that. That's a spoiler that alert. That was loopy. Reggie has some fun equipment Sorry. here. Sorry. I have some, play fo- some, fo- fun, some I actually equipment. would like to... Why don't we start out with a song? Sure. And then we can... Because if people don't know what he does... Basically, 
If you don't know Reggie, you should YouTube him or something. But it, right in front of us, explain the equipment you have. Yeah, I have a Line 6 DL4. It's a delay pedal that also has a basic looping function on it. And then next to it is a, an Electro Harmonix 2880, which is a four-track looping machine. So it gives me four separate tracks to create four different loops on top of each other. And okay. Here, here's a Champs exclusive. You want to do something? Yeah, yeah. Champs Elysee. <laughs> Did you hear that? That's the name. Champs Elysee. That's it. That's French. All right. Uh, I might need a little bit more level. Here we go. Check one, two, Harikari. All right. Okay. I'm very happy. All right. Stand by. Standing by. Standing by. Ready for Reggie Watts. A nice shot, I think. Red Bone, standing by. Red Bone. Uh, this is Zev. Funky Red. 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 We're Funky Red coming at you. Hello. Hello. Okay. We're here. And then we disappear, then we appear. Okay. Here we go. Uh, pump, it's a pumpernickel, I think is the word. Pumpernickel. Second layer initiating. Standing by. Watts. Uh, 
again, I mean, so it, I don't even it, know how to describe that. Well, what I was thinking, and it was something that I was thinking about you t- today, Reggie, when I was thinking about you coming by, was like, there's very few people I w- in the comedy world that can ever do anything that's d- that I would say is like, all, there's the moments of your set that are almost heartbreaking. And almost, there is heartbreaking through, like, you know, some of the, Doug Stanhope or Marin, there's heartbreaking mm-hmm. through, like, trauma. Right, you know, right, like they right. talk about their deepest pain. But yours, and I think that it speaks to this abstractness that you're into, this absurdity is like it's a emotional heartbreaking in, of beauty instead of this heartbreaking of like human waste. It's this, it's beauty. And there's very little beauty in comedy in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, no, that really was beautiful. That was, yeah. I was hoping you'd say beautiful because it actually Sweet. was. Thank you. And, and well, we don't fuck with beauty. Yeah, we don't fuck Episode with over, son. <laughs> yeah, you got to go. <laughs> Uh, what, what do you think? What do you think the the role of beauty and uh, plays in comedy? I mean, or, or prettiness, or or musicality? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I you know, I was thinking about uh, Victor Borga recently. Yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah. Sesame Street. You know him? No. Fucking funny. Yeah, amazing. Uh, kind of a physical music musical comedian, and he did this piece that was very very notorious. Of like, I forgot what 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 it was. It was some Beethoven thing or something like that. And he started playing this piece on the piano. It sounded kind of familiar, but wasn't quite sure what it was. Then he stops at a certain point and he turns the music right side up, and then you realize it is a Beethoven piece, but he'd been playing it backwards. Wow! But also not only backwards, but right hand and left hand inverted. Wow. And you'd have to be like a real, you'd have to know music to know that it was right hand, left hand inverted. It's yeah, I mean, it's like it's a, he just literally flipped it. He just yeah. flipped it. How I'm more than anything, I'm just curious as to how you started doing this, and were you scared? I mean, like, what's the what was the process? Like, did you get like, did you ever thought like, I bet if I got a thing. <laughs> I could di- like what was from like the from the beginning of it to now. What well, was it like? I think it was. I think it was definitely high school drama. High school without high school drama because uh, in Montana in the eighties when I was in high school, we had competitive dramatics, which was um, you know uh, we would go to other schools in the state and then we'd compete in five events. Um, like there's mime. There was serious solo, serious duo, humorous solo, humorous duo, which kind of loosely was based off of the debate, speech and debate kind of format, right. but just a theater version of that. And Texas did it. So too. like Last Comic Standing? Go ahead. <laughs> Basic, kind proto, of. Proto kind Last of, Comic Standing. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. But like, you know, you'd go into these high schools over the weekend when no, one, when no school wasn't in session, but they'd have these tournaments and all these schools would go to compete until, you know, they made it all the way to state. Um, right. And... So, yeah, because of that, uh, the first year I did humor solo, and I didn't have, a, I didn't have, I didn't want to pick a piece and, and recite something because I was terrible at memorization. So I just decided to improvise something, and so I started out just fully improvising all the way, and then creating gags and stuff along the by way by yourself, by myself, on stage. Yeah, on stage. Well, on stage in classrooms, sure. in okay. empty classrooms with judges, three adult people, Got it. that were watching, but like, and some of your your peers that were going to be competing against you, but. Like that was the platform and I was just doing whatever. And then by the end of the year, I had a thing. Right. It was like a a kind of a written piece. Oh, and you had, you had an actual piece of your own. Yeah. Just what had worked. You sort of was like, all right, that worked. Yeah. It was like an evolution thing or whatever. Kind of, you know, I still, there was, what was the bit about, what was the piece? I mean, 
I don't really remember it. All I remember is that I did have a gag where I wore, I had a one pair of underwear, but I put another pair of underwear over that, but it was cut out so I could like pull it out. That's what I'm talking about, the beauty and heartbreakingness of comedy. <laughs> Two <laughs> pairs of underwear. Boy. Really very French. <laughs> I mean, anything that's uh, yeah, it's painful and it deals with that area of yeah. the wedges, body. Wedgies, you know. You know yeah, wedgies. Wedgies are heartbreaking. People, people just like, oh my God, I... Do not wish that on anybody right now. Well, I was here. I was listening to this episode of Radio Lab recently. They were talking about improv. That in 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 a tr- like a real freeform improv, there's this moment where you figure out for yourself what the story of the bit is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you go up there with sort of nothing, and you just sort of start fidgeting around until you go. You, is that does that happen to you? Like there's a moment where you go, ah, this is what this bit is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's and that's those are the things that you're hoping to run into. You know, but you can kind of run inter- interference until you get another one of those moments. Hopefully, but that's like kind of improvisation is great in that way. Like sometimes if you've been doing it long enough, there are things that you know that you can do that you can kind of allow to function autonomously while you're trying to like essentially reconnect right you know to to like what is that stream that gives me those moments or whatever that is has anything awful ever happened to you trying to find <laughs> one of those moments i mean it's really it's about self-doubt so once you start going like oh shit what am i doing up here once that starts to set in you're fucked yeah no we talk about that a lot that stand up is like a, the, mm-hmm. the the invisible power in stand up that people don't talk about a lot is is it's power it's it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it, like people talk about material and presence and persona and jokes but really a lot of it is about power and sort of being just grabbing somebody by the throat yeah yeah, yeah. what's well, the yeah it's the confidence like you're not even you're not even remotely questioning why you're up on that stage at all right like not even close yeah, you you're know? supposed to be there you're supposed to be there and people are like wow this person really supposed to be there right so, you know? like this guy's in charge <laughs> this guy really. Jerry's not, uh cosby told seinfeld like you're the pilot of the plane and you have you just bring the plane up. You don't go like I'm gonna try, <laughs> guys. I'm high. <laughs> this is, this <clears> hey, your pilot, uh. Uh, okay. So so high school drama. Yeah. Or you, so you started getting good at that, and so you had a decent like what would you a reasonably funny thing? Yeah, I mean, and then I did uh, I did some. I would go. Actually, it's funny. I, they would have there was a stand up competition in Great Falls at the Sheraton Hotel. Of course. And the prize was like I don't know, it was like three hundred bucks or something like that. And I tried out for it and I won it. You won the whole competition? Yeah. When you were 18, with this Great Falls, Montana. With your underwear big gag? Yeah, I had the underwear gag. I did but I also did impersonation. I did like Bill Cosby. I did um <laughs> I did like a terrible Michael Jackson thing. I did like but what it was weird, but I always picked like pop culture references that that people could hook into you know because right. i was into i was into them but it was more like i was just throwing them out there because they're things that keep spin on the ball you know oh like, but so it would you would do it just to like keep to to feed the i to mean feed to, the masses to, a, a, to an un- unconscious level i think i don't think i was so, i was like all right well if i throw in <laughs> pop culture references it'll hook their attention in a way that, but they were uh, abstract cosby they, yeah, michael jackson it thing. was yeah it was more like this is what i was into but then mix it in with a bunch of crazy random ideas and so it seems to make sense but it's only makes sense because it only makes sense because there's familiarity and familiarity feels like a sort of order Oh, right, you know. Uh, okay, so you win the Great Falls Sheridan stand-up competition. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that to me that blows my mind. Is to think about this, like, because you're you're one of the more avant-garde performers in comedy, walking, and that is one of the least avant-garde comedy situations possible. <laughs> a but, Sheridan, in Great, a Falls, Sheridan in Great Falls. I just imagine these guys getting up with such like traditional yeah, stand-up. Super. And then in walks this fucking <laughs> this wizard. Let's be let's be honest. Well, you know, did you have a wild look back then? Uh, yeah, man, I had my half my head was shaved. It was like <laughs> so kind of cool. semi straight 
straightened and kind of waved over with a lot of moose, and I had like sun, or I had a uh, had some earrings. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was a weird, weird looking. That's weird, so awesome. Kind to of me. weird skater looking non skater kid. Well, I guess he wins. So, um. so you win, and then what? Well, I mean, I got the money, and then we bought a lot of weed with the How money. How much money? It was like three hundred bucks. So, so all the money in the world. Yeah, yeah and it was like everything for a teenager. Like I was like, "What? That's free money, <laughs> set for life." Yeah. So, like, my, my friend immediately took it from me, and then bought. A bunch of weed with Hit it. Hit you in the nuts. Hey, that's what 18 year olds and do. I was like, D's nuts? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Reggie coming through with the D's nuts joke. Neil's frowning deeply right now. How's the setup? Feeling good about it. Um, yeah. No, but yeah. I don't know. But that's kind of like weird. And then I toured a little bit. I did a little bit of touring with um, uh, stand-up. Like two out-of-town gigs. Basically like, some booker heard about you winning the contest. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. yeah. That's what it was like you get. A yeah, you get gigs to, or something yeah, sure. from it, and so a couple of Sheratons. Yeah, a couple. Of, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't even remember where I went, but it was really weird. My mom had to drive me there. We got you in Great Falls, Idaho, Great Falls, Montana, and Great Falls, Wyoming. All the Great Falls, <laughs> all yeah. the greatest of all the Great Falls. <laughs> That's it. Great Falls greatest hits. <laughs> the only three. Two gigs, then what? Two gigs, and then I, and then I got more back into. I mean, I was always into music. I was in the school music program for violin, and uh, I did piano as well. But I got a synthesizer, and then I started getting into bands. Like, I had a band in high school. And so we started playing covers and weird shit like that. And, uh, yeah, and so then I never really got back into that. I never got back into drama in that way. And I think the program kind of changed drastically after that. We I won state with my writing partner because my second year in drama, I did a humorous duo. I did this thing with this guy, Wallace, Wallace Bossy, Wally Bossy, who's still in Great Falls, Montana. Brilliant, brilliant man. But, um... Yeah, we, we we had a thing where we started improvisationally, and then it built into its own piece. It was called Two Guys Doing Stuff, and and uh, yeah, it was like a movie, a John Hughes movie-ending dream, uh-huh. for sure, being in a very condensed manner, just us in the final round in Billings, Montana, against Billings West, which was the team to beat. <laughs> like, they were unbeatable. You know, they were a juggernaut. They were the unbeatable Billings. They were unbeatable Billings yeah. West, just... Don't don't fuck with them. Were you Billings East? No, I was Great Falls. Was, oh, okay. We were Great Falls Bison. Come on, get it straight. He was man. Great Falls Sheraton. Come in, come on. But like, yeah, we we did it. We performed, but a judge wasn't there, so they told us to perform anyway. So we performed. Room was totally packed. There's a small window for the classroom, and you could just see these faces straining to like look in. So it was like super packed. We got done. People were like, "Yeah, that was awesome!" Woo! And then a judge shows up late, and then our coach takes us aside and is like, "Listen." You know, uh, judge showed up. Um, you can either you're going to have to perform again. You have to pre- perform the piece again. If you don't, then you'll be disqualified. And we're like, well, I guess we got to do this. You know, so we went in and we rocked the piece, and that way people actually saw how that was slightly improvisational, and right. it was even a bigger response. And then we ended up winning. Like we were in this massive auditorium with all the competitors. Did the guys from Billings East get a giant West thing? <laughs> Billings West get a giant thing of fudge poured on them <laughs> <laughs> after you guys won. I, I, I would. Now that's what I call a great. Did they fall. end up in a in a big pile of manure? No, 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 no. Um, someone uh, cal- recalibrates this um, experimental space laser oh, into whoa. the room oh. of the professor oh. that has a huge amount of unpopped. <laughs> Popcorn, right? And it just starts, just, just destroys this their house. Crazy. And you this make love to the bully's girlfriend yeah, with yeah, inside yeah. the popcorn. Yeah, right? inside yeah. of a, a like a Trans Am T top. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That, that really is exactly is. how it ended. <laughs> yeah. And what a better way to win? 
Okay, so you win that. Yeah, you win the, and we then, win it. So, so, so you went you, varsity. You were varsity <laughs> drama, basically, right? Kind of. Yeah, kind you're of. You're like an all-state homosexual. Yeah, yeah basically. I, was, I was an all-state. I was an all-state <laughs> theater through and through hag. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then you stay in Great Falls, or then you move to Seattle, right? The, yeah. Then when I was 18, I moved to Seattle, and then mostly just did bands. Um, twice in the 90s or in the late 90s and the early 2000s, I. Uh, did some sketch comedy. Right. I was always interested in comedy, but you do look like the bassist from Soundgarden, correct? Uh, you mean the guitar player Kim Thale? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim... Would you get mistaken for him all the time? No, I used to, yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, that's also one of my favorite bands. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. That's fine. So then you're in bands. Did you did you really like being in bands, or did you? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, you know, I was in some bands for I think just experiential reasons, but. Uh, some bands because I needed the money, other bands because I really believed in it, you know, other bands just to do, be doing shit. I was just always doing a lot of stuff. I was in like four bands usually at any given time. I was cruising around town in a bus, you know, hauling my gear around, my big amp and my keyboard and a keyboard stand and a backpack. So like I was always busy back then. And then some some heroes were better than others, like cover bands, hmm. you know, like making a shitload of money on co- off of cover bands, like disco cover bands. Do you do you think you would have been satisfied had you made it as a musician, a non comedic performer? I don't think so. Now now that I I look back, I love um, I love being on stage doing whatever so much, like by myself, because it's really kind of how I started and. Uh, and I really appreciate, I love collaborating with other people and I like creating things with other people, but there's something, I mean, if that's a project to project basis, as opposed to a commitment of like, I'm in a group of people and we don't, there's no, it's pretty static. It's pretty, it's songs pretty static. Songs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a power in it. There's a power in having a group of people, an ensemble performing and projecting something in relative unison, but like being by yourself and being an improviser. I mean that's that's the greatest because you can make a decision and it can just happen and you don't have to there's no checks and balances with it. Improv I tried doing improv on the other hand and improv I was terrible at just straight improv. Yourself. Straight improv, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like like being in a scene and Yeah, being in a scene, yeah, and like, you know, and being cuz it, it had too many rules, which it barely has. I mean, it has enough rules to make it function right. really well. But like for me that was too many rules. And so I was thinking too much specifically about the rules right. instead of like just improvising. But if I'm just improvising, no one's saying it. It's the way I like to play. Do you frisbee. think you'd be better at improvising now? Um, not in that structured sense. Got it. I, I like I'm. It's you know. It's like it's how I like to play frisbee, which is like I'm. But but as naked, correct? Well, I like I like I like the <laughs> naked for sure yeah, because yeah. I like that feeling when you slide on your ass yeah, on the grass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I just I just like I like the idea of like when someone's like I love ultimate. I'm like, I don't like ultimate. Just let's just throw the the frisbee around, you know. Or they'll be like, Hey, let's play this game where you're supposed to hit in this certain region. Like, how about we just throw the frisbee around? And like, so right. it's easier just to throw it around and improvise. And then, so for a scene, if I'm with other people, if we just if we just start going and a scene just happens and everyone gives themselves permission to go wherever, right. I can do that for a long, long time. And I'm trying to do more of that as as proof to myself, but also just to record things. You but, know? How did you develop this? I don't know, man. I mean, I guess the point is that when I was doing what I was doing in drama back in high school, that's exactly what I'm doing now. <laughs> like that, it really hasn't changed that much. 
it's kind of what I've always done, which is mimic things that I think sound funny or concepts, like twist the idea of things from their intended purpose, potentially. Um, and um, kind of reflecting back things that I really think are weird and, and I love and or bother me. Like, but in abstract, cartoonish character ways, or sometimes really just kind of an honest, right down the middle, um, matter of fact tonality. Yeah. Basically, anything that distorts the possibility of understanding something directly, but has the shell of things that sound like it means something. If that if that makes any sense. Like yeah, and on you feel like when you. How many of your songs succeed in that way? Well, I mean, like, Fuck Shit Stack works because, I mean, there are literal verses in that. You know, it's like I'm actually just voicing opinions, so that's that's pretty literal. But, like, I mean, Fuck Shit Stack is nothing and it doesn't mean anything. I never thought it meant anything. It just evolved because it sounded like an absurd series of words to say. Shit, motherfucker, ass tits, cunt, cock, motherfucker, shit, ass tits, motherfucker, shit, come on. Shit, motherfucker, ass tits, cunt, cock, motherfucker, shit, ass tits, motherfucker, shit, come on. You take some shit, put it up on the wall, check it out for a while. You take that shit up off of the wall put it down on the floor in a glass bowl you take some fuck put it up on the wall where the shit used to be you take that fuck up off of the wall put it down on the floor with the shit in a glass bowl and that was kind of it but but the theory is that if you if you find something that's absurd in whatever way it is it doesn't have to make sense but it'll still be very very memorable like it's a, still a memorable concept, and also people ascribe meaning to it as well. And so that's you my don't form. you reject the idea that fuck shit stack has a ob- oblique satirical message. It definitely has a satirical message in that it makes fun of hip hop, and For sure. and the verses are like, I mean, I should say it doesn't make fun of hip hop. It makes fun of a particular type of hip hop. Yeah, sort of blingy kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's just like you know, just money, whatever money rap. Yeah, it's yeah. like but you'd you'd expect it to not be around anymore. Like right. that's how like inane I thought it was when it came out right. in the mid nineties. You're like, oh, this will pass. <laughs> yeah, like, nah, this can't stay. This is absurd. This is ridiculous. And like, no, no, no. It's people still only happens. gonna be able to take ten of these songs, and it's like, you're now we're gonna be like able to 10, take 000. a decade. Yeah. We'll like be able to ten, 10 of these, years. and we'll be over it. And it's like, oh, we're not even. There's no end. <laughs> yeah, twenty two years later, like, <laughs> still, still, nope, happening. still people Little Wayne talking is the about poet laureate of the United States. <laughs> It's like it just turns out that as long as slang terms keep evolving, that's all you need. That's it. Slang terms and marketing, <laughs> like yeah, like the two propelling and you, each okay, other. Okay, so like the yeah. when the song that you played, yeah. you just made for us. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a goal at the beginning of it? <laughs> no. And did you have? Uh, but you did you and no idea. No. Do you have like go through the day and go like, oh, that might be a funny idea. Sometimes I'll, I'll do that and I'll, th- I'll think of, I mean, there are things that I will hold on to and sometimes I'll forget about that. Like I might not write them down, but I'll, I'll hope that I remember them someday. Right. Maybe a year and a half later, suddenly I'll, I'll do something on stage and I'll be like, oh. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah I remember thinking about that. But um, for stuff like this, it's more, it's more like I just hope that I find something that's interesting in the very beginning. Like whatever That's the first thing you ever that hear I put Richard Pryor's thing. He said the first, the only time he worries about his act 
He just says, if I get him in the first 40 seconds, I'm good. He's like, that's the only part of my yeah. act I worry about is the is the first 40 seconds. And that's – so that's, that's – it. like, that was a – how would you rate that song? Do you even I, think about I, it? I mean, it's – I mean, not really. I mean, I would say it's, it's okay. But, like, it, it's definitely about, like, does it start – if it starts all right, then I, I can add something. I, as long as I'm careful about everything that I'm adding, I can correct things a little bit, but – I, I hope that the best types of music that I can create with looping equipment is stuff that like every layer that I put on, I really dig. Or right. Even if it's not executed perfectly, if it represents an idea that's interesting, then I'm I'm down. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I just come up with something. And I'm like, oh, this is so derivative of myself. Right. Uh-huh. And, and right. I don't and I don't like that feeling. And so I mean, and that happens with written material, obviously, as well. Like every time you deliver something, if it gets stronger, you know, or it becomes different, you know, you know more about it. Like that's like kind of a similar thing. But yeah, so I mean, for this, I just kind of like laid it down. I was like, okay, that's good. Okay, we'll add some of this. All right, well, let's see what happens when we. I hope this works. Okay, that's not so bad. Okay, let's try to correct it this way. You know, it's really just a dialogue. <laughs> and it's a so it's a bit of analysis as you're going along. A little bit, yeah. But you try. I mean, obviously, you have to. Be careful because you don't want to get too analytical, correct? Yeah, you don't want to get too analytical. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get too analytical, but it's it's somewhere between analysis and intuition, right? Right. You know, it's like that's like the the sweet spot. So you you have a slight awareness to it, but not too much awareness that it overrides intuition. Do you ever feel jealousy when you see someone like? Do you ever feel jealousy when you see like me with like a fly lady? No, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, do you ever feel jealousy you when you see someone like you? Yeah, when like, Moshe travels through time to back when there were fly ladies. Hey, you know, back in the day. Hey, back in 1990. No, I no. get it. <laughs> uh, like when you see somebody like we were talking about, like a Stan Hope or Bill Burr, mm-hmm. somebody that's mm-hmm. so fully concrete and mm-hmm. so all about real perspective. Yes. Do you ever go, oh, I wish I could talk about what's really in my brain? or well, you know, instead of unlocking my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no, I do. I do think, I do think about that. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm on, yeah, when I'm, when I'm on stage or I mean at a club and I'm watching someone like I'm, you know, essentially a master or someone just killing it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely, I love it because I appreciate people who actually put work into what they're doing and thinking about it and honing it on the road and like practicing it in different ways and just like getting it to this point at which it's just just so in the moment and realize like making realizations causing realizations like that type of shit to me i like of course i like think wow but i also i well here's the thing i know i can't do that right like that's that's not at least in that way i can't i might accidentally sometimes on stage like i'll be talking or uh, there have been times when i haven't brought my gear at all and i'm doing like seven minutes or something and i'll say like okay no gear I'm just going to pretend like I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh-huh. You know, so I go up there and just start talking like this and go, hey, guys, um, so the other day I was at the, uh, what's it, the, uh, the Coastal Mall or whatever, and I was just, like, standing in line. Uh, next thing you know, I get a call, and uh, it's my wife. And my wife says to me, uh, I told you. If you leave one more time, you know something like that, like yeah, that, yeah. like that. No, that's yeah. uncanny because that's that is exactly what Neil and I sound like every time we no, do. Yeah, this yeah. What? Yeah. Have you have you seen me? No. Oh my god. That's Holy Neil god. Brennan. Do you know my wife? Bit. Yeah. Oh, I got a call from so my sorry. wife. Uh, I'm no, so but sorry. I, uh, that's interesting. In that you, <laughs> so you you wouldn't you never write a bit. No, I mean sometimes I mean like I have like my Beyonce thing that I do where I'm like Beyonce two years from now something blah 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 or Beyonce blah blah. blah. 
I'll do like something like that, or I have like a bit where I say I start out with um, I turned gay recently because being gay is a choice. Like, mm-hmm. like I have like certain things that I've done in the past, but I would say I have about ten of those. Yeah, they're like little ropes that you atta- that make a set that you then attach. They're, your, and they're thirty seconds to. long. Yeah, I mean, some of them are long stories. Got like, it. Me- meander like my horse walks into a bar thing is basically just you know horse walking to a bar and then the continuation of and that's the, the actual point reaction. of it. That's the point is that it's it doesn't it doesn't take you anywhere. Until, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah, it's like or it just takes you. It like it, it just turns into a real situation. Yeah. Okay. Tell me how this started. What this, you're doing? The loopy thing. Just like the the how you came to be the man we know today. Like no. so you so it's the idea of you were building improv scenes in high school yeah. based on props or based on whatever mm-hmm. take us so, through black so then, hogwarts so then when you when you realize that when did you go like i bet i could do like make songs up and have them be funny and yeah that's what i'm curious about well i mean you know the funny song thing was definitely something i was doing in elementary school like to a certain extent like i would you know i would i would i would redo songs like i would i you know like i even did another version of eat it Called Clean It. <laughs> you is parody. Unnecessary. Yeah, it's unnecessary to parody that song. It's already been parodied. But I parodied the the yeah. So I parodied. I don't know why, but I just and um. So that was kind of there. But then, like in the nineties, when I was like doing the um, band things, sometimes we'd have these jam nights, and like when we would go on break, instead of me going on break with the rest of the band, I would stay on the mic, and I would just do bits, you know. And, or I do at the end of the night, I would do shout outs, but I would just never stop shouting out to things and it would just get weirder and weirder and, and would you use the loop the machines at all no or echo or any no pedal, that, anything? that i would use the the really the, the the loop machines came into being when i went on tour with uh, wayne horovitz four plus one ensemble which was this jazz avant-garde jazz group that i was asked to be a part of by this composer uh, wayne horovitz getting out of uh right out of cornish college of the arts when I was about 27 and he asked me to be a part of the project, and we recorded a bunch, and I was using a Roland Space Echo, which is an analog delay machine. Mm-hmm. But they're very finicky, and he, we, after the record was recorded, we just, he got a European tour. So I was going on Europe, to Europe for my first time for a tour. I mean, for, for my first touring gig in Europe. And so uh, the guy who did all the effects processing on a table where he ran all these analog instruments through this effect processing... And I were like, man, he had an Echoplex, and I had a Roland Space Echo, and we're like, these aren't going to survive this trip. It's this, they're just going to get beaten up, and we're not going to have these. And then we heard about Line 6 coming out with these pedals, these Line 6 pedals, and we went and tried them out, and we were like, these are incredible. So we each got one. And then I only used it as a delay machine, only doing echoes and repeats and delays. That's all I of used it for. Of your keys? Of whatever or, I needed or whatever, whatever. You would do vocals, voice, you would do. Yeah, voice, keyboards, whatever, sound effects. Like this would just be route, one of the effects that I've Im- and through. improvising with this jazz. The jazz thing wasn't so improvised, but there were moments when I would have solos and when I would and have would solos. you do the same thing every night? No, no, always, always different. I mean, well, compositionally we would, but um, but in the moments that I got to solo, it was just a solo, whatever I wanted to do. But um, but I was, and that would be music. That would be spoken. All that music. would be okay. All, uh, yeah, all music, all vocals, music. vocals, and keyboards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but m- I would say the solos were mostly vocal. But I was singing. I was using this also in my band, my band Mocktube, kind of like my more serious band. And uh, and then I s- noticed that I had this loop function. And I started using the loop function to like sketch ideas to then give to the band. So I'd be instead of like 
I heard this groove in my head, and it was like, instead of like having to do it over and over again until the bass player got it, I would just loop it. And then I would, right. and then I'd be like, well, the beat was kind of like, you know, and I would do that, and I might add like a guitar thing or something. I'd be like, what do you think, guys? And the band would just start playing. Yeah. And then they would, you know, this wasn't every song, but like sometimes like I had an idea like that and that was the fastest way to get everybody to plan it because then I I'd had, I could stop singing. That's I, that's one of my favorite things. It's just like necessity. Yeah. Just necessity. like you yeah, right. needed. It's yeah. like I'm sick of fucking having to tell people what to yeah, do. Yeah. So let me just do it myself. Yeah. You listen to it. Yeah. And, and was I'll, it, were I'll you listening coffee. to like Rozelle and Beatbox guys? I mean, or I was knew, it even. I knew of those guys, but like really it was like, it was Michael Winslow, um, Bobby McFerrin, uh, the Fat Boys, um, you know, people like Rozelle definitely came into the picture and you were like, what? Oh, this is so technical. Yeah. How's this? How's the yeah, voice? Yeah, Bobby McFerrin is on some robotic shit. He's on another level. He, he's crazy, man. And especially his early stuff way before, you know, don't worry. Happy oh, that's. Like, I thought that's the only thing. Well, it's, it, a lot of people think he's. I was assuming he's made more started that there. weren't that. What? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. no, when I listen to that, I'm just like, it's crazy. No, he made half a record before that. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. No, he's really a master, <laughs> man. I mean, he's really good. Yeah. No, he's incredible. You know, but like that, it was an example of what the human voice can do, and I liked him more because he was like a vocalist or Al Jarreau used his voice as an instrument. Right. And beatboxing ends up being more of a technical display of ability rather than necessarily musicianship. That's interesting, right. So so oftentimes when I would hear Rozelle, I would be like, holy shit, this is amazing. But like, it didn't really, it wasn't a song. It was just, right. you know, it was like turntablism. That's where it came from. Right. But like, you know, turntables doing their thing and you're like, wow, that's technically amazing. But I can't dance to that <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, I can't all. dance to that at right. all, no. But, um, but yeah, but those types of people definitely influenced it. So then you added humor. Where were... I mean, did you just re just decide I'm going to go solo and I'm going to re uh, I'm going to add humor back into the mix like in Drama Club? Yeah, I mean, I think it just was always there. Like yeah. if I, it was just me on the mic, there's no way I'm going to be like, "Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my next song is like." Right. I, I think that's too ridiculous. My I'd name's Al Jarreau. Yeah, my name is Al Jarreau. <laughs> you know, or I'd just like play a song on the piano and then I would just recount the entire plot of. Re- Empire Strikes Back or something like that. Right. You know, as best as I could over the song, but in a kind of a ballad form. So it was always like improvising like on a keyboard or this type of thing, like making a beat. And then I was like, oh, well, I could kind of mimic electronic music, hip hop, whatever. Do you want to do another one for us? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do one more. Okay. All right. We back here. Um, This goes out to all my Cypriot friends. Uh, The more Cypriot you can get, the more... Uh, better life becomes. Okay. We add a little bit of this because people can't survive too much without this sound. That shit. Yo, get that gain structure under control. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what's like. It's not. It's not fucking. It's funny because it's so virtuosic. It's so like, what the fuck are you doing? Have you ever seen that kid A rap music? By the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, he has an MPC. Yeah, 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 it's like yeah. crazy. Like but not. But, uh, no, no, no. But yeah. it is like it's this virtuosic thing. He's like a nineteen-year-old kid from the Bronx or something. And he just makes these. 
he makes live beats with an NPC, right? Yeah. And it's they're crazy. It's, right. And he's doing it with his hands, and he's really fast. Um, yes. Yeah. So I I guess do you, are there. Do you ever think of like uh, like you went into some dancehall shit? Do you ever go like I want to do some more dancehall reggae or like are there genres that you're like I want to do I want to go in there more often or are there? Yeah, I mean sometimes I mean I, I like to I mean trap music is kind of a new thing that, yeah. that, that I've just I know it's been out for a while but I just started I, I was able to like go oh that's trap music like for a long time it was just stuff that a friend of mine was really into. <laughs> Like and, and and so that's really how I related yeah. to it, and I was like, "Oh, it's cool." Or Diplo dips into yeah. it, or whatever. But then, uh, so trap has been something I haven't really successfully done live, but I would like definitely love to get into it. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that you keep asking him. I think it's like trying to wrap your brain around a process is so crazy different from your process, Neil. Like as a real joke guy, yeah, like, I like, like written like, jokes yeah, and structured, yeah, sure. and so it's yeah. like, wait, what are you, what holding the fuck on, are you doing? Yeah, holding on to like, the, wait, so you like you'll go on Conan and not have any idea what you're gonna do. I mean, for the most part, yeah, yeah, I, that's crazy to me. But that's what's cool about it is that it still is. It, it's like Neil's a joke, dude. Like, like probably one of the most that I know. Yeah. And you're on the other, <laughs> and it's still sort of the same umbrella of like, yeah. people are laughing. What the fuck's happening? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I, do you ever think? Do you think that there's any more or less or equal purity to to, to laughter from? pure emotion and not understanding or from laughter from wrapping your brain around what neil said and that concept that he's introducing right. that punchline well I, I think of it as the same um it's the, it's very similar to jazz to free jazz and classical music right in a way and it's like classical music all these people train and hone and you know for just their instruments they have a relationship to that but then they have a relationship to the music that's like you know it's structured a composer sat down was very specific about it, and um, and then you have a group of musicians three hundred years later, right? Um, who are now playing that music, and there's a conductor that, if they really get inside of it, like knows the feeling of it and can really conduct it. And in that moment, you're not thinking about history, you're not thinking about technique, you're not thinking about anything. You're just thinking about this amazing music, right? And so the same thing happens with free jazz. It's like not, I mean, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but when uh, when it's really great and beautiful, it's no different than something that had been structured and practiced and rehearsed. Right. So the in the moment, they're exactly kind of the same thing. So when people wanted you to do comedy shows or comedy rooms, were you kind of like, ah, uh, no? Well, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, at first it was kind of crazy, but I always liked the challenge of being able to do whatever I do in any space. Like I just think that there's something kind of fun about that. And when I first came to New York, I mean, if it wouldn't have been for inviting them up, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. You might not have ever gotten invited up. Yeah, I might not have ever, ever actually gotten so, invited up. So you're saying basically if there had been a, an alt-comedy thing happening, mm -hmm. forgive me for using the mm -hmm. word, sure. then you <laughs> might not have ever really gotten ushered into the comedy world. And did did they just say, please do this show? And you were like, what? And they're like, no, you got to do the show Monday or whenever it was? Well, it was, it was more like, uh, what was it? There was a friend of Eugene Merman's um, who was part of a dance, who was an invited artist from Brooklyn working with a contemporary dance performance um, group, dance group. And um, I ended up being 
heavily into the modern dance community, so I was like really into supporting them. They asked my band. To, you were fucking a lot of dancers to do it. Mm. No, actually, that at that time, I modern was, dance one of the I most hilarious things. It is. It is huge pretty crossover in the comedy. Massive. But he. But for some reason, he knew, he knew Eugene because I think they went to school together, or something like that. And he was like, "Yeah, Eugene has this crazy cool night he does with this guy Bobby Tisdale. You should check it out." And then, weirdly enough, Stella happened to be coming through town. Eugene Merman was opening for Stella, and um, uh, I went and saw them. And uh, then was introduced to Eugene Merman, and then I got invited to do the show. I did the show, and then um, and then what happened? Oh, and then yeah, I got I got to do the show, and then um, people didn't not like it, right? You know, so I was like, oh, this is cool, and they were like, yeah, anytime you want to come by and do the show, do the show. So that was that was kind of how it happened. I just felt accepted immediately. Are you uh, being uh, humbled by saying people did not like it? Did you crush or did you like? Do I don't know well? if I crushed. I, I definitely did what I did, and I think people people were like, "Oh, that's cool." Like like yeah. like that's really the feeling that I got. Like like if I honestly think about it, people were like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." Yeah, you know, come back. Do you, do you, you know when you crush? I mean, sometimes I might have a sense of that idea, but mm, I mean, I can definitely feel like, oh, okay, this moment right now, this is probably, it feels really great to me. I hope that it feels as great as it does for me out there. Like, I hope so. It, and, and in a way, like, it just kind of, I'm not even thinking that much. I'm just like, oh, this feels really great. Well, the other interesting thing about what you do that I think a lot of, like, s- straight stand-ups don't get the advantage of is, like, when we hear silence, it's like... Oh my god! It's like panic inducing. <laughs> Gotta get the fuck out of here! Oh my, this is the I worst. Get the fuck out of here! But like, you, the windows up. you could have Oof. moments of like minutes of silence of people just being sort of blown away by the musicality of what's happening, and then they come back and they're laughing again. <laughs> so you have like this weird, cool advantage with being able to play with. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun that way, and it's also fun to you know play with silence, you know, because it's not cool. Yeah. You know, like there's there's kind of a. I mean, in a way, like I do feel like well, music is like a a little bit of a cheat because when you use it, it creates a state that is kind of instantaneous in a way, you know, like as long as it's decent, you know, like music, when people hear music and it's, it's, it's all right. They're like, Okay, it just puts them in this mood because yeah, there's some funny. there's something to like. They're it like, puts oh, you okay. in a different state, yeah, of awareness. Yeah, yeah. so you're like, uh, and 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 if it's you know, so I know that I sometimes I I'll think, okay, I have that, but how can I play off of that expectation, um, or hold it off, or give them a bunch of it up front and then like nothing for a long, long, long time in the middle, and then that's a different form of like playing with like. Sometimes there's a lot of silence, and and that can be. When you were talking about the different styles of comedy, I feel like we end uh, all of us end up at the same place, but you take a fucking crazy door. <laughs> <laughs> like you fucking like, I'm going to put you in a trance. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the state of being six <laughs> and then I'm going to sneak through the window and you won't even know. And then you're just tickling and you're like, where the fuck did you come from? Where did man? this black wizard come from? You're still over there, aren't yeah. you? No. Uh, well, you know what's funny is we always talk about race and I feel like. I'm sure it's played a big part in your life, yeah. and at the same time, I feel like it. There's it couldn't be less relevant to you. 
but yeah, yeah, definitely. But that's interesting. It's he weird. says that because you, you're the thing that you often do in the first few minutes of his yeah. set. Is he just goes? He'll start off a British fellow with like a highfalutin accent, and then all of a sudden he's a Jamaican dude. Then he's an American black guy. Then he's a white guy. Then you're the <laughs> white voice guy, and you're like, wait, who's Reggie? Who's Reggie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it is sort of casting, uh, you know, meaninglessness to yeah. all of the differences. Yeah, definitely. That, that's what's so hilarious about it. For me, it's like, oh, yeah, there are all these. It's also like social languages, too. Like if you can, you know, it's like it's nice to like have a feeling for something and feel like oh, I could like kind of reflect it back in a quasi realistic way. And it's kind of fun to be able to switch into that and like have people go, no way. You know, like it's, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. a good feeling. You're like, yeah, I got, I got you. I got Did you back you, too. And you, I feel like you probably as a result of, I'm sure you've cultivated this look specifically because <laughs> you are not, you've literally made yourself as close to, I, I'd say like people would, it's, I don't think you'll have like, if Questlove walks down the street, sorry, Amir, if he walks down the street, like if someone doesn't know him, they may cross this. Like a a white lady's going to cross the street <laughs> if Amir's walking toward her. Mm-hmm. Every single white lady, sixty year old, sixty year old, every above. single white lady above sixty who's okay. not super liberal and didn't. Uh, uh, sixty year old with cornrows. You got cornrows. <laughs> uh, now that what would help. <laughs> so so I feel like you, on the other hand. You're like from fucking outer space. <laughs> like I would say most six, a six-year-old would cross the street because it'd be like, <laughs> yeah, or like they cross. It's like you're not even. It's like they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't cross the street out of racial fear. They'd cross the street out of like magic fear, extraterrestrial like, fear I, of magic. I wish no part of that being's world. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, just like some Aleister Crowley shit. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah, must. Totally. Yeah, like yeah, like no. they. Like, have you, the is, uh, is that conscious or unconscious that you've made yourself into this, this figure? I don't, you know, Sus- I, you're wearing suspenders. You're wearing, am. you're wearing a sweatshirt with mountains or, or a long sleeve t-shirt with mountains. You're yeah. wearing rings. You're right. wearing, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, it feels wait, like. Wait, wait, wait. You did not just describe a wild looking person. You're wearing suspenders. You have a sweatshirt. You have a ring. No, he's wearing like. Hold on. Let me try like, it. Let me yeah, try it. Go ahead. You've got a huge. Gem of amber on your on your uh, ring finger, and then your two pinkies. One is black, one is red. They're and they're painted. They're long, like you do cocaine, but you don't do like cocaine. An, like an Atlanta pimp. <laughs> yeah, like a true Atlanta pimp <laughs> in the eighties. And of course, there's the hair, yeah. big hair. But it's lazy. It's a lazy man's haircut, facial facial hair. I mean, it's like it's just. You don't. I mean, for me, it became like, well, like you know, I don't have to do anything to do this. I'm just not going to cut it. And then, like shaving after one day, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just stop shaving. And then just stop shaving and just see what what happened. And then it just kind of stayed that way. And then what ends up happening is like that becomes your thing. And then I have to think, oh, if I cut my hair, right? You know, so I so I kind of think about that in a weird way so it's kind of an interesting lock like if you're known as the person that totally. blah 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 blah, blah you yeah because it's funny you're a good actor i can tell you're a good actor just from the thing you did or when you were doing the stand-up comic like you're a good actor so i'm wondering if you go like fuck i wish i could cut my hair oh yeah go in to play for whatever oh i mean I've, I've thought about that there there is some criteria but i think that that might happen but yeah i think at some point that'll have to happen you know. You think so? Because uh, yeah. I always look at you and say you've just written your own fucking ticket, man. Like you've just done everything your own way, and none of it mattered. You yeah. Know? No, I mean it's it's really about it's you know it's about what you know being flexible you know to a certain degree. Like I like 
the idea of being an, um, not anonymous, but like being able to transform into other characters. Right. You know, like if I, for, for filming purposes or whatever. Sure. Like I like the idea of like, oh, I can become someone else. But not that's like an end all be all. It's like not ultimate goal. It's just something I'm curious about. So, but, you know, I have to think about it. like I want to, sh- I'm going to shave off my beard after Bang Bang because I don't, my image isn't really required for a few months. So I can like right. regrow see, a beard. See what ha- what's happening down there? Yeah, I just want to exfoliate. <laughs> I want to, try to see what I look like at this age. We're all excited. I haven't seen my my face and Reggie. Years. Well, Reggie, what? I was like, oh no, I'm Mark Enstrom. This, <laughs> this is a bummer, but we're running out of time. No worries. I also um, feel like you probably have a thousand influences. I mean, we all have I a do. ton of influences, but I feel like you're wearing a thousand influences. It's almost like you you improvised a look. <laughs> Like you went to a costume shop. Mm-hmm. You're just like, and then I'm going to get a fucking Indian. You're wearing like a Native American woman's jacket. <laughs> it's not like a woman's a, jacket. It's like a, it's not necessarily a woman's jacket, but it's certainly like you can only buy it in Santa Fe. It's like turquoise and f- like Indian patterns and shit. Pendleton, it's a Pendleton. It's a man's jacket. I mean, I'm not saying it's not for men. No, I'm just no, saying no. it's not no, for. No, but you're right. It is. It is it's a like you American just go like, friends. and then I'm gonna wear hippie shoes, and then I'm gonna wear no, and then I'm gonna wear uh, like fucking rolled up. Yeah, like, it's funny. Yeah. Hey, you want to do a uh, so so? Yeah, <laughs> high tech you know, pants. We it's didn't... all high tech though. But the, the, the thing is about this look, it's that you know merino wool shirt, hyper breathable, doesn't retain a stink. The suspenders are a local Brooklyn-made woman who makes He's trying them. to tell you he didn't like get it at no fucking Goodwill. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think... No, I don't no, think no, no. That no, Hold on, hold on. These no, pants right here are $750. These pants are, were about 800 bucks, but they're... But they're <laughs> But they're made of um, they're made of like this crazy high tech material. So I mean, all it's funny because all it is it's a product of uh, body body changing and lifestyle, you know. So and I'm just kind of like, I don't mind trying shit that looks slightly futuristic if it makes me or futuristic or weird, as long as it, I'm comfortable. So right. a lot of them are practical, like weirdly enough, like you, yeah, you're like you're some the, of, not the nails and shit, like the hair or whatever. It's like you know you become aware of these things as a, as a performer. Obviously, you're like, oh well, my hair is like this and yeah. feels cool, whatever. But like you know, and the nails is something I've done since high school. But like it's more of a, a habit. But yeah, you, you accumulate things along the way, and suddenly, especially if you're allowed to just do what you do without you know a, a boss saying like yeah, you sure. better uh, blah blah. Yeah, you know? do you get insecure like? I had a faux hawk for a long time, and Moshe shamed me out of it. I was I was supportive. I supported I, him out look, of it. Look, I don't blame you. Yeah. Uh, but I'm wondering, like, do you ever go like, I should, I uh, this this hair is ridiculous. Does people ever go like, nice hair? And you're like, this is stupid hair. <laughs> <laughs> My hair is I, stupid. I I you know it's funny. It's been like I've always had some kind of weird hair usually. Until until one time I I just cut my hair off, so it was really really short, and it mm-hmm. just looked like it was pretty normal. But I just never I've had it so long. I always had weird hair of some sort. There are people saying something about it that it's just from kid programming. I'm like I don't really care. Well, that's yeah. you know you're, I mean? you're like a truly unique person. Like all original people, you can't help it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You're, it's not very premeditated. It's just like I don't know. I got lazy, and then this. Yeah, that's then it. I had the pants. Yeah, exactly. My my, my legs got big, that's comfortable exactly. in the weird, and that's, then and that, but it it yep. is like specific to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Will you do mm-hmm. a trap song? 
for oh, us. Yeah, attempt I can try my attempt my a trap first song trap to say attempt? goodnight. Yes, to okay. say goodbye to Because I'm a huge fan of Diplo, and I would like to hear uh, uh, your your take on some trap shit. That'll be the some end. Mumatone. Okay. Gosh. All right. Let's see if I can even do this. Reggie wants everybody. God. Here we go. Um, let me add a little bit of hula hula sauce, sauce to it. <coughs> okay. <coughs> okay. Reggie Watts, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Reggie, Reggie, so much for coming on, man. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for waiting, guys. Peace, man. Get that gain structure under control. Here we go.
Questions are on display. Oh, 